and a very warm welcome to this Master Investor Monthly Mashup with myself, Sarah Lowther, and Jonathan Davis, who is the author, investor, podcaster, and editor of the Investment Trust's Handbook. So, Jonathan, long time no see, but I reckon it's because you've been so heavily involved in the city's best-kept secret, a.k.a. your book, The Investment Trust handbook so last time we spoke the deadlines were approaching and it was just taking longer than normal it was unfortunately it was taking a bit longer than normal uh and that uh, i'm happy to say it's really a function of success because they're just now more uh contributors and partners to have to deal with so i'm kind of juggling a whole army of people who help me with this uh, annual publication uh and they're uh, they're they're all very helpful but uh dealing with them all does take uh, more effort and more time. It's a bit of time and management problem, in fact. Classic time and management problem. Uh, but anyway, so it's all done. It's gone to the printers. And with any luck, it will be coming back from the printers in uh, the second week of December. So not too far, not too long to wait. Excellent. And in time for my birthday. So please put a signed copy aside for me, please, Jonathan. Okay, well... Of, of course i mean <laughs> sarah why else wouldn't i would i would never forget you about that in that matter of course not so in terms of the anecdotes and the advice and everything that you've been curating for the book are you allowed to give us a tease a bit of a spoiler and impart some of the advice that's been given or an anecdote that we could benefit from of course uh i mean essentially uh the, the thing is uh, could be summed up in a, in a in a simple phrase really which is it's been uh, a poor time to be an investment trust investor, but it's uh, it's it's a very good time to become an investment trust investor because of what's happened over the last two years. There's been this massive derating. In other words, discounts have widened, uh, and that's created all sorts of opportunities. Uh, that was true a year ago. There were discounts then were wider, but you have to have patience and the ability to spot the turning point. And I think pretty much, as we said in one of our earlier podcasts, it looks pretty likely that that turning point did happen, uh, you know, a couple of months ago. Uh, and that is the kind of theme of the of the handbook this year. You always have to look forward as well as back. Looking back, it's it's there's a lot of red ink out there. Uh, looking forward, there is uh, at least the hope of some uh, better times ahead as more opportunities emerge. And I think people are beginning to take advantage of them. So, but, you know, I'm, uh, it's got to be realistic. You know, you buy investor trust mainly for their long-term uh, performance they're not really a trading instrument but you can make money by trading them but what you can do is you can add a certain percentage to your returns if you can buy and sell them at the right time but uh, you know if you don't do either of those you're still going to do okay if you pick the right ones over time so as we approach year end any standout investments from your world that you admired and that can continue the trend into next year because in a previous podcast we mentioned green coat uk wind as being one such opportunity and at the time you said to me it has an inflation linked yield commitment which is going to keep indeed it is and it has done and it will continue to do so uh yes and things are, are looking quite good for those uh, for uk wind and other uh renewable energy renewable infrastructure trusts i think they have gone out to big discounts but they've started to come in and uh, over the last month for example i've got a little list in front of me I thought you might ask me this question. <laughs> uh, UK green code, UK wind is uh, is up around uh, around six or seven percent over the last month. Uh, but there have been some bigger gains as well. So you know some of the battery storage trusts, for example, they're up uh, more than thirty percent in in one case, twenty five percent in another, just over the last month. 
uh, and pretty much sort of down the whole list you'll find uh, people these are trusted have benefited over the last uh, last four to six weeks uh, and that's partly because the discounts were just so wide and also a lot of gloom out there. It's always a good sign when there's gloom out there. If you remember people saying there was a big uh, wind auction, uh, an auction for new offshore wind um, uh, contracts uh, and nobody applied back in September. And I remember we talked about that and I said, well, that's actually a positive sign because it means that the, 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 the sort of guaranteed price the government's offering is too low uh, and they will then have to come back with something better. And sure enough, they did come back uh, since then with a price that's roughly twice as high as the one they were previously offered. So that's going to be good in encouraging uh, more development. And there was some uh, some help for wind also in the uh, autumn statement. So that was done well. Uh, but a lot of quite a lot of other things have done well as well. A lot of private equity uh, trusts have done quite well. Smaller companies trusts have done well. Uh, and some of those will continue into the into the new year and beyond for sure. So you mentioned the autumn statement there. It's been delivered. Um, a big tick list to me, it was more like a pre-election manifesto. So I, I was trying to extrapolate what it really means for investors. Well, OK, so what does it mean for investors? Well, um, investing is there's two things about investing. Obviously, there's uh, how much money you've got and where, you, where you're going to put it. Um, you've got a little bit more money in, if you're a certain kind of person uh, from this budget. Uh, because of the you know cut in national insurance for employees that kind of thing there have been there was a lot of mention of tax cuts overall uh, as has been pointed out by a number of observers independent observers um, you know it's not as generous a budget as it appears to be or at least was presented as um, because um, in particular inflation has continued to increase um, uh, has increased the amount of tax the number of people who have to pay tax because of so-called stealth taxation, you know, in other words, the thresholds uh, for not paying tax have not been raised by equivalent inflation. So basically, you're you're still worse off as a result of that. So it does affect, on the one hand, how much money you've got um, to to invest, uh, but also, um, I mean, they have done a few things which might be helpful to investors. Um, you know, mostly mechanical, structural things. So they have you know, they're proposing to slightly change the rules on ISAs, for example, so that you can invest in more than one type of ISA in any one year you know it's quite irritating if you want to put half your 20,000 uh, into an equity trust another one into a cash ISA you can't do both in the same year that kind of thing so uh, that's may help at the margin and then there's some interesting proposals to try and loosen up the uh, pension regime so uh, you know you, the idea of having a, a pension pot for life so instead of having to you know accumulate as people move jobs so much these days they accumulate little pension pots here there and everywhere uh this is a proposal that uh, will allow you to have a single pot that you sort of carry around with you which will be helpful again at the margin but all these are sort of long-term long-term things so um i guess the issue really is i mean you said it might be seen as a pre-election manifesto well of course it is because there's an election next year and the the government is trying to put itself forward in the best light um, but I don't think that changes the fundamental picture, which is that the public finances are very, very tight and uh, debt interest is becoming a bigger problem. So whichever government takes over next time, um, you know, the promises that people make, most of which are about what's going to happen in the future, you know, don't count for much, frankly. So I don't think there's um, uh, there's nothing in particular that's going to um, help in the short term. Uh, longer term, I might also mention this idea of you know perm making the uh, the full write-off of capital investment against uh, your your tax bill for companies will be positive if that if that stays in place. 
it becomes permanent that's probably going to be a, a beneficiary a benefit to the economy over whole and that in turn might have some impact for, for um for uk companies but um overall i wouldn't get too excited i don't think it's uh, going to change your life overnight so you mentioned elections there. How exciting were the results in the elections that we've seen in the Netherlands and Argentina? Well, they were certainly dramatic. Um, I don't want to say exciting, but they were certainly dramatic. Um, and, it, and, I, and I fear rather kind of uh, uh, indicative of, of a general uh, issue that's sweeping across the world, which is this concern about uh, the levels of migration uh, and hence uh, immigration for individual countries. Because... Um, in both cases, we've seen uh, the, the the party winning the the biggest votes being, uh, shall we say, uh, of a of a populist nature. In Argentina, interesting enough, this uh, new president Javier Milei uh, is a is a real, or at least has presented himself as a real out and out uh, kind of libertarian, if you like, you know, a, a classic follower of Hayek and uh, and others like that. And he wants to, uh, you know, completely change the way that the Argentine economy, which has been a bit of a basket case for years and years and years, uh, he's come up with all these kind of um, solutions which are much favoured by the libertarian camp, saying, you know, we're going to we're going to uh, uh, basically dollarize the currency. That was one of the things he promised to do. Um, and he's he's really a kind of um, roll back the state, let the market decide what happens. Well, we'll see whether he he gets away with that. Uh, and in Holland, in the Netherlands, we've seen, uh, you know, surprise, really, I think a wake up call for, uh, for 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 the EU and for Europe as a whole. You know, this uh, populist figure, Hert Wilders, uh, uh, won the election in the sense of being becoming the largest party. He may now be, uh, he was trying to form a government, um, but he's been elected very much, you know, on the same kind of platform as uh, Marine Le Pen in France and so on, which is basically expressing public concern about the high levels of immigration into Holland and France, respectively. Um, and of course, that's a big issue in the UK as well. Uh, it really has become a, a very, you know, front of front of brain, if I can put it that way, political factor. And um, it's not going to go away because the levels of migration across the world are, are very uh, are growing, let's put it that way. So every country is facing this problem. Okay, <clears throat> so we'll be watching that maybe this is a case of when the trend is is perhaps not your friend or at least not a friend to to some sections of the global population but i need cheering up uh jonathan because i know that you were at the races on friday uh which sounds br brutally cold but was it when you were i think you were at ascot weren't you um at ascot, yeah. very were, lucky to be ascot, yeah. were, were there any signs of disposable income out there and betting on horses are the are the odds for betting on horses better than uh, investing in equities for example uh, well uh, there are some similarities in a way um there are some similarities in the sense that uh, certainly if you invest in uh, if you invest in uh, funds rather than equities there's a sort of croupier's take if you like which is the the fund manager's fee uh, and of course, in 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 betting on the horses, of course, there is the uh, the bookmaker's margin you have to deal with. Uh, if you uh, <clears throat> work out all the odds, there's always a, a small percentage in favour of the bookmaker, and they wouldn't be doing it otherwise. So, um, uh, but that's I think where the similarity ends, because uh, if you invest in equities, if you just invest in the stock market, over time you will generate a positive return, positive real return after inflation. 
um in uh, <laughs> betting on horses that is certainly not the case i mean most uh you know most people don't make money out of betting on horses or very few people make money out of betting on horses i mean the best method i think for betting on horses is um the one that you're not allowed to do in the stock market which is basically inside information that's that's uh that will always uh, stand you in good stead if you've actually got some uh some some information from the stable yard uh that is that happens to be particularly um significant uh and provided there aren't other 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 stable yards with the same thing is going on you you can make money that way but i think the basic principle is don't bet often but just bet bet big when you have high conviction but don't invest on every race i mean that's a, that's a crazy way to to gamble your your money away don't do it and would that be your advice overall generally to investors for 2024 just in case i don't get to to see you before the the year's out um no i don't think i it would be my general advice i mean i think well certainly not not betting on the horses i don't think would be a good strategy um <coughs> sorry excuse me um i don't think betting on horses would be a good strategy but i do think um there's some some reason to think that the uh that the uk stock market in particular might do quite well next year uh, mainly because these are reasons been well rehearsed for for years and years and years uh, i didn't mention that in the budget the chancellor did talk a little bit about trying to make the uk a more attractive listing uh regime to get more companies to to float on the on the london market and so on and so forth that's not going to happen in the short term again these are all long-term changes that would be be helpful but i think the um there's some reason to think that the uh, that the uk stock market could do quite well um mainly because it's cheap i mean there's no other reason that and uh it's you know it's a good time to uh buy things when they're cheap but um we don't know what's going to happen to interest rates i mean that's still the big issue for 2024 i don't think you can you can get away from that uh if interest rates stay higher for longer which is what the central banks are trying to convince you that's uh will be the case then uh don't expect too much but um if they do start to come down and the crucial question then is well why are they coming down are they coming down because we're heading into recession and companies are failing and so on uh economic growth is slowing then that's not going to be good for equities be good for bonds though um but uh if it's because you know the cycle has turned then uh, that would be positive for equities as well so i think it's it's going to be a fascinating year they always are it's election year in the us that's always important um so i wouldn't expect next year to be too bad uh but i know i'm not um i said before i'm kind of fairly gloomy about the the medium longer term outlook but i think uh, next year well maybe will surprise us a, a little bit on the upside wonderful that's what i'm hearing as well jonathan it's been a pleasure working with you this year and i'll see you next looking forward to it this podcast was brought to you by master investor for more investment and economics analysis please visit masterinvestor.co.uk